Pastor Bert has been teaching us, as uh, Fabian related to, on framing our world with the Word of God. He's also taught us that Jesus' name is the Word of God, hasn't he? So I'm going to give you, I hope, some tools this morning that will help you to frame your world with the Word of God. But before I do that, <clears throat> I always like to start, well, I don't do this very often, so I'm a little nervous. So I always like to start with a, with a little joke that kind of helps me loosen up, and hopefully it'll help you loosen up too. And uh, you, you may have heard this joke before, you may not think it's funny, but laugh anyway because it helps me. There was a certain preacher in a certain town that had a reputation for lengthy sermons. And so he was preaching this Sunday morning, and as he was preaching, he was about the middle of his message, and a man got up from the congregation and left. He thought to himself, I wonder what that's about. But then after a while, the man, just almost at the end of the, of the message, the man came back in and sat down. So the, the, the preacher really wanted to know what that was about. So after the service was over, he went and found the man. And he asked him, he said, why did you get up and leave the service in the middle of the message? And the man told him, well, I had to go get a haircut. The preacher said to him, well, shouldn't you have done that before the service started? And the man looked at him and said, well... I didn't need one then. <laughs> yeah, I have good news and bad news. <clears throat> the good news is that when I, whenever I'm called on to speak like this, I never know how long my message is going to take because I, I depend very greatly on the Holy Spirit to get me through it. So... Um, given the fact that I have 29 scriptures and six pages of notes here that we're going to go through, I've stationed some people out in the lobby to prevent anybody from going to get a haircut. <laughs> I'm glad you have a sense of humor. It helps me. As I said, um, what I'm going to endeavor to do is to give you some tools to help you frame your world with the Word of God or with Jesus and all the promises that are made to us. <clears throat> and what I'm going to give you is by no means a complete uh, list of who and what we are in Christ Jesus. But I have 23 different items that I have in here that I'm going to talk about. And... Uh, this is by no means an exhaustive study of every place that it says in, in him or in God or in Christ or whatever. This isn't all of them, but this is 23 of them that I think are very, very important that we ingest into our spirit. And um, later on, I'm going to give you a little testimony about my own life that has to do with this. So, here we go. 23 things that we can 
we can uh, verify with the word of God that we are in Christ Jesus. The first one is we're saved. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saved. And everything else that I'm going to talk about flows from that relationship that you have once you're saved and you're filled with the Holy Spirit when you're saved. And uh, you have that to guide you and to keep you. Well, the, the scripture that, uh, that verifies this is Romans 10, 9 and 10. And it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And lest you think that I just picked something out, you know, out of this, and, and uh, it's uh, uh, iso uh, an isolated scripture, here are two more that verify it too. And I'm not going to read them, I'm just going to give you the address, and if you're taking notes, you're welcome to... Uh, to write them down. And uh, if you're not taking notes and you'd like to have this, this, this list of 23 items, <clears throat> at the end of the service, uh, my wife has some printed out copies of these 23 items, and you're welcome to ask her for one. Everybody knows my, my sweet wife sitting right down here in the front. She is a treasure. We've been married 57 years, and it seems like yesterday. So, Luke 18, 42, and John 10, 9, verify that. <clears throat> now, some of these things that I'm going to talk about are kind of Christianese, you know. They're words that are bandied around in Christian circles, and... A lot of times we say those things and we don't really know what they mean. So I'm going to give you some definitions on some of these things as well. And I have to tell you that I was in my mid-50s before I actually found out what some of these words meant. And they're very, very important words. And hopefully the descriptions that I'm going to give you help you to ingest into your spirit what they're about. The first one is sanctified. And the, the scripture is 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And the, another one is Hebrews 2.11. Now, the definition of sanctification is to, set up be, is to be set apart for sacred use or to make holy, or to make holy. So sanctified means that we're set apart to holiness. You know, when we're saved, we are holy. We are set apart to God at the time that we're saved. And I didn't know that for many, many years after I was saved. It's important for us to know that. Also, in that same scripture, it talks about us being redeemed. And I did happen to know a long time ago what redeemed meant because... I better hurry up. Because in, in the olden days, when Sarah and I were young, they had a thing called 
uh, uh, S&H green stamps. Anybody here old enough to remember S&H green? Oh, lots more than I thought. <laughs> well, S&H green stamps had redemption centers where you would take the stamps that you got when you bought groceries and all that, and you'd take them to the redemption center, and you would redeem an item, like a toaster, a mixer, whatever, whatever they had in there. And so that means the actual definition of redemption is to set free, to rescue, or to ransom. Now, it's important for us to, 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 to understand <clears throat> that we are sanctified when we're saved because Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, has redeemed us from all of our sins, past, present, and future. And that's a promise of God that I have hung on to for many, many years. Um, I finally understood that, as I said, in my mid-50s. And I have to admit, hey, you can't go out and get a haircut. <laughs> Fabian's a good sport. I tease him all the time, so he knows I'm just teasing Um, lost my train of thought. <laughs> Give me a second. Uh, when I finally realized that redemption meant that I was redeemed from all my sins, past, present, and future, it set me free. Because before that, I was always condemning myself for things that I did that were wrong. And so after that, I was able to forgive myself because I knew that God had already forgiven me. There's a quick haircut, baby. Thank you, sir. Excuse me. Okay, we got redeemed. The next one is forgiven. And we know what forgiven means, but the scripture reference is... Oh, by the way, I forgot to give you the second... Uh, reference for the for the other one, and it's Hebrew two eleven. Um, so the next one is forgiven, and the reference for that is First John one nine, which says, "If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." And the two com, uh, other scripture references are Colossians two thirteen. And 2 Corinthians 7.14. <clears throat> the next one is justified. And I have, a, I have a definition for justified. And I was a long time before I knew what this meant. But this is the best description that I've ever seen or heard about justification. And it says, as regards its nature, it is the judicial act of God by which he pardons all the sins of those who believe in Christ and accounts, accepts, and treats them as righteous in the eyes of the law, as conformed to all its demands. In addition to the pardon of sins, justification declares that all claims of the law are satisfied in respect to the justified. 
It is the act of a judge and not a sovereign. The law is not relaxed or set aside, but is declared to be fulfilled in the strictest sense and to the person justified is declared to be entitled to all the advantages and rewards arising from perfect obedience to the law. That's not quite all yet, but that's, I, I really want you to understand, the perfect obedience. Now, we all know that we're not perfect in obedience. We all know that we do things that we shouldn't do. But it doesn't matter because you are justified, not because of what you do, but because Jesus Christ paid the sacrifice for all the things that you've done that aren't right. So it's important to understand it. It proceeds from the imputing or crediting to the believer by God himself of the perfect righteousness, active and passive, of his representative and surety, Jesus Christ. Justification is not the forgiveness of a man without righteousness, but a declaration that he possesses a righteousness which perfectly and forever satisfies the law, namely Christ's righteousness. I don't know about you, but that description of justification is so profound. And I, ha I had this in my files, and every once in a while I just pull it out and read it to remind myself that I am justified, that I'm justified through Christ Jesus who paid everything for me. And I have to make it personal. I have to say it's for me. I know it's for everybody who receives him, but it's for me. And I think we have to look at it that way. Next is reconciled. And this is another one that I have a description for. To reestablish relationship or to make compatible. And the, the scripture references is Romans 5.11 and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We're restored to our relationship with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, reconciled. The next one is dead and alive. And the scripture reference, reference is Romans 6 and 11, and it says, Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead, indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the other scripture references are Romans 6, 24, Ephesians 2, 5, Colossians 2, 13. I told you I had six pages of notes, so... We're not even a third of the way through. And I only have 19 minutes. We are Christ's body. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about that and what he suffered, I think about, boy, I don't want to go through all that. But we don't have to because he did. And we are his body through his resurrection. We are resurrected with Christ. I know we're not dead yet, but we're going to be. But we've already been declared resurrected. Romans 12, 4 through 5 says, For as many, for as we have many members 
in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And you know, it's really encouraging to me to know that all the people that I know and associate with who are saved and are members of Christ are also members with me. Uh, they help me and hopefully I'm able to help them to be better Christians and better able to serve the Lord. The second scripture is 1 Corinthians 10, 19. Uh, number nine, we are a temple. And the scripture is Ephesians 2, 21, 22. To whom they, uh, excuse me, to whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You know, it's kind of an ethereal thing to think about a spirit. God being a spirit, and because he created us in his likeness, we also are a spirit. We have a spirit. We, have, we are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. And when we get saved, uh, our spirit is reborn instantly. That very instant that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, your spirit is reborn instantly and you become one with God. His body, Christ's body. But our soul is another story. Our soul, the saving of our soul is an ongoing thing that takes place over time. Through experience and through confession and through all that we do, our soul is made closer and closer to the image of Christ in our spirit. Our soul is in our spirit. The other uh, <clears throat> reference is 1 Corinthians 10, 19. Oh, excuse me, that's the wrong one. Uh, 1 Corinthians, yeah, this is 10, 19 as well. Uh, number 10, we're conquerors. And the, the uh, scripture is... Romans 8, 37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We know who it is that loved us. Some of us, me particularly, know that uh, sometimes I'm not very lovable. And bless my wife's heart, she continues to love me. Uh, and God loves me. And it's really comforting to know that when I know that I have been unlovable, and it gives me the ability to take responsibility for that and mend the relationship that I've been unlovable with. Uh, we are victors. Number 11, we're victors. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 John 5, 4. And how many of you in here in the last week or so have felt a little defeated? A little bit defeated. Like things weren't working for you. 
almost everybody in here raised their hand. And the reason that they did is because it's a universal thing. You know, we are flesh. And our flesh doesn't always do what it ought to do. <clears throat> and then we, the devil, you know, comes right away and starts beating us up. He reminds us of every bad thing we've ever done. And he tries to convince us that we'll never be uh, victorious over that. But we are. Not through what we do, but through Christ Jesus. Number 12, wise. How many like to be wise? I like to be wise. Sometimes I'm pretty dumb, but sometimes I can be wise. 1 Corinthians 4.10 We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable, but we are despised. In the other scripture references, 2 Timothy 3.15. You know, wisdom, some people, consider wisdom to be intelligence or smarts or education. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to use information in the best possible way. That's wisdom. Maybe all of y'all have that all the time already, but I don't. Number 13 is free. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The other scripture reference is Romans 6.18. Now, <clears throat> this yoke of bondage thing is something I think that Satan tries to... Uh, trap us in all of our lives until we are resurrected and we go to be with Christ. But if, if if we seek the Holy Spirit to give us the guidance that we need, He'll lead us out of that bondage every time. Number 14, complete. Colossians 2.10 and you are complete in Him. Capital H, Him, Jesus. Who is the head and principle and power. Others, uh, other references, Colossians 4.12. Um, most of us have a tendency to look at ourselves critically, and see ourselves lacking in some areas. I know I do that pretty frequently. But God says, God's Word says, that we are complete because of Jesus Christ. There's nothing missing. There's nothing lost. You are complete in Christ Jesus. And our goal, our, you know, the way we go about really accepting that is to keep reminding ourselves that we are complete in Jesus Christ. We're going to talk some more about that in a little bit. Number 15 is light. We are light. And it's Ephesians 5.8. And you were children once of darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. 
walk as children of light. And uh, I don't really quite know how to describe being a child of light, except that uh, if we are in God's Word, and God's Word is in us, and we have the Holy Spirit within us, the Holy Spirit will guide us into the light if we will seek the light through Him. You know, I don't know how anybody lives in this modern culture without the Holy Spirit to guide them. I know I, I, I don't think I could. So praise the Lord for Him. Number 16, we're rich. Everybody like rich? I like rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that through he, the, but though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his power might become rich. And the other scripture references, Philippians 4, 19. God is so good. So good. Number 17. Prosperous. Prosperous isn't quite the same thing as rich, but it's good. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in, the, in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That's a life verse for me. I use it all the time. But there are two others. Psalms 35, 27 and 3 John 2. We're healed. And, you know, in, in this church, you hear a lot about health and wellness. In fact, Pastor Burt just preached a, uh, a series on it uh, either last month or the month before. That was great. Bless me. So healed. Psalm 103, 3. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. And then there's Isaiah 53, 5, which is a familiar verse, and Acts 9, 34. We are Abraham's seed. Galatians 3, 13 to 14. Christ has redeemed us. We talked about redeemed before. From the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. It's quite a promise, isn't it? You know, most of us here probably aren't of Jewish descent. And... Some teach that the, pro that the promises that were made to Abraham were only for the Jews. It's not true. The promises of Abraham are, are, are promised to anybody who is in Christ Jesus and are one with God. Uh, the other verse is Galatians 3.29. Number 20, we are God's elect. And it's Colossians 3.12. Therefore... As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, Romans 8, 31, 33. Uh, 
I'm having to hurry a little bit, okay? Number 21, God's children, sons and daughters. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Romans 8, 16, Galatians 3, 26, Galatians 4, 7, Ephesians 4, 5, Hebrews 4, 5. I want to make sure you got that one, okay? Heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And there's a whole bunch of scriptures to go with that. Galatians 3.29, Galatians 4.7. Ephesians 1.11, Ephesians 1.14, Ephesians 3.6, 2 Corinthians 5.21. We are righteous, and this is 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him, he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Other scriptures are 1 Corinthians 1.30, Philippians 3.9, Romans 5.17. Now, <clears throat> for many, many years, I had, a, I had a real misunderstanding of what righteousness was. And I used to think that it meant that you never did anything wrong, you never made a mistake, you never committed a sin, you never treated anybody badly, you never did anything that was not ple pleasing to God. But that does, that's not what it means. <clears throat> to be righteous means to be in right standing with God. It's as simple as that, and it's as profound as that. I don't know about you, but for me to think about being in right standing with God kind of makes me think. Because we all know that God's standards are very, very, very high. <clears throat> and I used to always think that I could never be righteous. But at the time, I didn't have an understanding that my righteousness came to me through Christ Jesus. Many years ago, we, we had kind of a, a school that we had classes about different things, and uh, I was chosen to do a study on righteousness. And when I did that study, it changed my life forever because I now have a clear understanding of what the righteousness in God is all about. And if you don't know that now, you need to really study these scriptures that, that I laid out for you. Now... <clears throat> I have four minutes. We've got to get through this in a hurry. I'm going to give you a little history about me. Um, before I got saved, I had a lot of mindsets that were invalid about myself. Um, my natural father died when I was six days old. 
And my mother went to work in a in a, the Boeing plant in <clears throat> Wichita, Kansas. And my sister and I were farmed out with relatives for about four years. And from one relative to another, and we didn't really have a place of our own. Um, when I was 10 years old, my mother remarried, and some of you here remember Pop, he died a year and a half ago. Um, when they married, I was 10, Pop was 22, my mother was 32. And I developed an orphaned heart through all that. And if you don't know what an orphaned heart is, it means that you have very low self-esteem and you don't trust anybody and you don't uh, seek anybody. And I had, I had some other negatives in that I was always the littlest guy in school and the last one chosen and when you're choosing up teams for sports. And, uh, when I was in high school, all the girls were bigger than me. I graduated from high school. I weighed 98 pounds and I was five foot two. And so all that created some wounds in me that led to some mindsets. And if you don't know what a mindset is, I'll give you another definition. It's a mental attitude or disposition that predetermines a person's response to and interpretations of situations. And what it did in me was I didn't trust anybody and I felt unworthy. And that happened for many, many, many years until some good things happened in my life and I got some uh, positive reinforcement in my life. And then eventually I married my wife and she thinks I'm worthy. When, I don't think I'm, you know, I told you that to just give you a background for, for why I'm harping on this a little bit. But I, really, I don't think my life is that much different from most other people's lives. Everybody has hurts and everybody has issues that they've had in their life that cause them to have certain mindsets. And very often Satan uses those mindsets to keep you off track with Jesus and they can draw you away so the question is do we believe that all these things that the Bible says about us being uh, all these things that the Bible says we are it makes that it difficult for us to believe those things if we have these wounds in us and I, you know, I probably have more wounds than most people or had more wounds than most people because of my age. The older you get, the more opportunity there is for you to have wounds. And I'm out of time, but I'm not done. Nobody go get a haircut now. <clears throat> Those mindsets directly affect our ability to believe who and what we are in Christ. And... This is an important point. I want you to get this. There's a difference between knowing and believing. 
For a long time, I knew what the Word said about me in all this, but I didn't really believe it. So there, there, there comes a point where we have to recognize whether we really believe these things or not. And if we don't, we need to develop a process to help us to get that into our spirit so that we do believe Him. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that salvation is a process, number one. As I said, your spirit is renewed, reborn. The minute you accept Jesus as your Savior, but saving your soul is an ongoing process, and we have to realize that. <clears throat> we have to realize that everything, well, everything flows from salvation. Salvation gives us righteousness. Everything else flows from the fact of our, our righteousness in Christ. And until we recognize that we have that, it's difficult for us to recognize all these other attributes that are given to us in the Word, and they're true. So because we are righteous, we are free, wise, complete, light, prosperous, all those kind of things. We need to frame our world with these, these qualities that, that the Word says we have once we're united with Christ. Everything else flows from that. Well, I'm going to get through this real quick. I'm not going to read these scriptures. I'm just going to give you the addresses. We're righteous because of who we are in Christ, because He loves us, because Jesus paid the price. And uh, those scriptures are Ephesians 2, 4, 5, John 17, 23, Hebrews 10, 12. And through the Word, knowing it, John 8, 32, and like I said, there's a difference between knowing and believing. You can know the Word... I've known people that were super intelligent that could quote more Bible than I ever thought of being able to quote, but they didn't believe any of it. And they'd ridicule it. So there's a difference between knowing and believing. Uh, number three, applying it. James 1, 22 to 25, and confessing it. Mark 11, 23 to 24. Now, um, Pastor Bird has been helping us to to understand the importance of confessing the word on a consistent basis. He's he's encouraged us to develop a daily uh, routine of confessing the word, and over and over and over. You know, when when I was a little kid learning my ABCs, and I think most people learned them this way, you learned them by repeating them over and over and over and over until it became natural. Well, the same is true with confessing the Word. The more you confess it, the more natural it is, and you believe in it. 